show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. You'll learn about alternative ways to improve your health and well-being using the healing power of botanicals such as cannabinoids. Here's your host, Lola Ahanba. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O. I'm your host, Dr. Lola Ohomba, aka Dr. O. I am the founder and CEO of WCI Health, your alternative health and wellness store. At WCI Health, we help people get and stay well using the healing powers of botanicals such as cannabinoids. I'm also the host of this show, Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, and I'm the author of the notebook, A Pharmacist's Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician. I'm going to talk a little bit about the book shortly, but before we get into today's episode, let's have a little, you know, we have to have our house cleaning first, and that is our disclaimer. This show is for educational purposes and should not be taken as uh, medical advice. Cannabinoids and uh, over-the-counter supplements, not FDA approved. So uh, they are not FDA approved, but many of them are FDA registered. And I need you to reach out to your provider, healthcare provider for all your medical needs. Do not start stop any medication without talking to your doctor. So what I would like to say first, thank you to our sponsors, to our Patreons that have been supporting us. Without you, we are not even going to be able to do this. This show is sponsored by WCI Health, makers of uh, Glow's Beauty Cosmetics and Beauty Line. We have products like pet products, skincare, and uh, hair care products. So for all your uh, needs, for all your cosmetics needs, and for your pets, our pet is our loved ones too. <laughs> so head straight to WCI Health and for all your products. On today's show, we will be looking into the role of uh, cannabinoid in the management of uh, obesity. But before we get into that, let me quickly talk to you about our feature product. On our feature product today, we have Glow's Day and Night. It's moisturizing cream. This product is extremely good. I use it myself for my face and for your under eye. It's botanical nature. It's extremely good. For all the puffiness of the face, especially now we are having uh, all kind of uh, stressors going on in life uh, with everything going on in the country. We tend to uh, leave ourselves and let ourselves go. All that puffiness, sleeplessness is causing all kind of stress. So get, grab a copy of your Glow's Beauty day and night and let me know how you feel about it. And like I said earlier, I'm so excited. I just published a notebook called A Pharmacist's Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician. I know you guys are kind of wondering that title. 
Yes, I mean, in this space, there's so many go- things going on. We need many clinicians to step into this space. So for any clinician to be talking about cannabis, cannabinoid, psilocybin, botanical medicinal herbs generally, we have a little boldness to that because these products are not federally legal yet. But we really don't need to be talking about it. People need to know when you go out there, you need to know what you are buying. That's part of my starting this podcast. I wanted to educate the general public about the potential health benefit of medicinal herbs. Growing up as a little girl, I used medicinal herbs myself. So back in the days, this product was used. Medicinal herbs were dispensed by the pharmaceutical company. Everybody back then used it. How did we go from it being used for to manage almost everything under the planet to it being the most dangerous product in our planet today. So we have to have the talk, especially here in United States. Uh, a lot of changes is going on in Europe. And I feel like if we don't start talking about it, we're going to be left behind. And like President Bush said, we do not want to leave any child behind, no child left behind. So that's part of why I step in into this space to start giving this educational material. One of the ways I'm also trying to educate the public is by this my new book, A Pharmacist's Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conformist Clinician. It's available on Amazon as a Kindle and also as a paperback. What are you going to learn from this book? This book is basic. It's supposed to give you the basic facts without the medical jargons that you see in many books today. It's relatively small. It's kind of like your pocketbook. It's very small. You can take it in your purse. You can take it anywhere. The men can have it in their compartment. The women can have it in their car. You can have it in your purse. And it's kind of to serve as a reference, as a, as a quick reference. It has in there a little bit history of uh, botanicals, uh, the usage back in the days. It also have in there cannabinoids. CBD, THC, CBG, a little bit what they are used for, their properties, their medicinal properties. I talk about endocannabinoid system as a robocop, as the cup of our body, what it does for the body. I also talked about entourage effects of toppings, 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 toppings. The smell that you, you perceive from your cannabis, they are coming from topping, ginger, topping, orange, topping. What are the uses of topping? I talked about that in this book and I also talked about how we can keep cannabinoid products safe and where we go from here. So where can you get this book? You can get it on Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com, a pharmacist guide to cannabis perspectives of a non-conforming clinicians. You can also get it on Etsy in our in our store on Etsy. We have a Glows Beauty. On Glows Beauty, you will see it on Etsy. And finally, you can grab it from my website, wci-health.com. So don't wait, go grab yours now. Thank you to, like I said, to those that have uh, subscribed to the show. If you are yet to subscribe to the show, please go to our website. You will have the subscription button there and subscribe to the show. And we are able to bring this show to you because of those of you that are supporting us. So if you want to donate and support this show, please go straight to our website. You will have information about our Patreon group. Thank you so much for everything.
So on today's show, like I said, we are looking into the role of cannabinoid in the management of obesity. Many people feel like uh, obesity, oh, it's as a result of being lazy or anything like that. No, not at all. Obesity is a medical condition. This is a medical condition just like uh, addiction. People judgmental about people that are dealing with addiction sometimes, but this is a disease. So obesity is a disease as well. It's a medical condition that increases the risk of developing other diseases if it's not managed. Other diseases that can result from obesity include diabetes, heart disease, cancer, other metabolic syndrome like a hypercholesterolemia. Basically, basically what that means is a high cholesterol uh, and uh, infertility in men and women. It could cause uh, female reproductive system dysfunction. So this is a major, major disease. So how do we define obesity? What do we look at, look out for when we are saying somebody is obese? So first of all, I have to define BMI. BMI means your body mass index. Basically, this is how the obesity is measured. So we ha- if we have a BMI, body mass index, less than 18.5, that means the person is underweight. I know it might sound ridiculous, underweight. How does somebody get underweight under the stress that we are going through right now? But some people really have some diseases that we call anorexia, uh, which means they can tend to either not able to eat or they, for whatever reason, genetic reasons or, or stressors, they can be overweight. But we will be going into anorexia eventually. But today we're looking in this obesity. So when we have less than 18.5, that will be underweight. If we have between 18.5 BMI to 24.9, that will be a normal body weight. And if we have from 25 Point zero to 29.9, then that will be seen as uh, overweight. For 30 and uh, above, that will be an obese condition. Sometimes you see somebody, they are small, they look small, and people are saying, oh, they are overweight. You begin to wonder, this person is not even that big. But this is measured in relative to the body. Your weight, your height, is a relative uh, terms. So somebody's size, when you look at them physically, doesn't necessarily mean that they are, uh, you can judge them and say, oh, they are overweight or they are obese. So what are the causes of uh, obesity? Sometimes we don't really know, but it could be due to genetics. So a lot of this situation is going on for people and they are not really responsible. It's just then it is what it is sometimes. We are not, we don't choose where we are born. We don't choose our parents. We just find ourselves. It's just what life has dished out to us. So for some people, it's due to genetics. Some people is due to environmental factor. And when we talk about environmental factor, we look at where people live. I mean, sometimes uh, as a result of maybe finances or background, you are not able to live in an area where you can go for a walk, where you can safely exercise or 
or I have access to the, say, like a gym or like a walking trail. So all these have effects on in our day-to-day lives. So when we look at people, sometimes we have to be very careful how we think about these things. Other than that, there is the diet and lack of exercise. And like I said, sometimes it's beyond people's control. When we talk about exercise, you have to have a conducive environment to be able to exercise. For diet, the same thing. Sometimes you can't afford the organic food. You can't afford the organic product. So those are some of the issues when we talk about diet and exercise. Apart from diet and exercise, we have diseases. Some diseases like Cushing syndrome or Prader-Wills syndrome. These are some of the diseases that causes that could result in obesity. And we have aging. As we grow older, the hormones changes in our body, especially women, and we become less active. So all this can result in obesity. Pregnancy, when women get pregnant, sometimes it can be difficult. I know I've been there three times, so I know how it is. It can be difficult for to share that extra pounds that we pack during the pregnancy. And also another causes could also be due to smoking. Smoking causes a lot of problems, so we want to look into that. Apart from that, uncontrolled obesity, if we don't control the weight, how can this affect us? Uncontrolled obesity can result in cardiovascular disease. When we talk about cardiovascular disease, we're talking about heart attack or stroke. How is this even possible? See, fat when the fat passes through the vessel, when we break down our food, the the product, the triglyceride, these are the fats resulting from our food, the sugar, they all passes through the vessel. And we know the nature of fat. It likes to stick to somewhere. So sometimes this fat sticks into the, the veins and the arteries. Arteries, these are the uh, vessels carrying blood to and from our heart and all part of our body. So if obesity is not controlled, if our weight is not controlled, these fats can stick to the walls of the arteries and cause blockage. And when there is blockage, the blood is unable to flow easily to, to the parts that needs it, like the heart, the other part of the body, and it can result in the heart attack or stroke. Other, apart from heart attack or stroke, other metabolic syndrome... <laughs> I know you're wondering when you talk about metabolic syndrome, we're talking about obesity, we're talking about diabetes, we're talking about cholesterol, high cholesterol, and things like that. Other uh, metabolic syndrome like type 2 diabetes, uh, which are insulin resistance, these are also possible. And obesity is also being implicated in cancer like uterus, uterine cancer, cervical cancer, prostate cancer, and also can result in uh, infertility in both men and women. In men, it can lead to erectile dysfunction if the weight is not controlled. In women, it can lead to irregular period, which can lead to infertility. So apart from infertility, we can also experience various types of sleep disorder, which will make sense. Sometimes people, when you are going through, when you have obesity, you are unable to breathe very well. And this can affect sleep. Called, uh, this is called sleep apnea. We've dealt with that in the previous episode, in our sleep episode. 
And other than that, we also experience osteoarthritis or osteoporosis. Osteoarthritis is the arthritis of the joint. And osteoporosis is like it affects the bone, especially a elderly population. Basically, what's going on in the osteoarthritis, osteoporosis is the excessive uh, collection of the weight in our weight-bearing joint, like our knee, our ankles, hip, all these places. When there is this uncontrolled excess extra weight going on, this can result in pain in this joint. And it can also cause osteoporosis, which can easily lead to a breakage of the bones and the joints. So how do we manage obesity? How do we control it? For the people that have genetic predisposition, it can be challenging to control because we don't have genetic method of managing this disease yet. But we can do other things that we can do to help with the management. Like I said, if, although diet and exercise can result in obesity, we can also use diet and exercise to manage it. That is diet. We have to find a way to eat healthy, low cholesterol level food, unsaturated fat. These are fat that are very good for our body. Plant-based product, plant-based fat, plant-based oil, they have low on, uh, saturation. What we want to use when we talk about oil that we want to use, we want to use unsaturated fat. That is what we want to use. And also exercise. Exercise is said we have to try to do at least 30 minutes exercise, like maybe moderate intensity exercise including either a fast swimming, walking. I am living with disability and I also, I have physical disability, but I also walk. Uh, you don't have to follow everybody's full steps. You don't have to do what other people are doing. When you go to the trail, when you go to the park, if somebody is running, if you can only walk, just tailor the exercise to your own physical, mental ability. So the total, the total numbers of minutes of exercise that is required is 150 to 300 minutes per week. And we can divide that how best it, it works for our schedule. You can divide it based on how it works for our lives, our lifestyle. So for me, I try to work like 30 minutes, two miles, uh, uh, most money or weekend. So just tailor it to your to the best way that you can do it. What are the pharmacological therapy? And you all know by now, when we talk about pharmacological therapy, we are talking about medication. For individuals with uh, obesity, medication is only recommended for people that have BMI greater than 30 kilograms per meter square. And we already know about BMI is body mass index of 30 and above. That's how uh, people that we recommend pharmaceutical therapy, like your medication. Also, Medication might also be recommended for people that have BMI. It's not up to 30, let's say 27 kilograms per meter square, but they also have at least one weight-related comorbidity. When we say weight-related comorbidity, we're talking about like high blood pressure, like diabetes, like cholesterol. Those are weight-related. So if somebody have a weight-related disease going on or underlying condition and you have 27 kilograms, 
Tampa Middle Square. In addition to diet and exercise, they might also introduce uh, pharmaceutics. So what are the pharmaceutics that are used? One of the main ones that is used recently is the Olistat. Olistat comes in Ally. The, the brand names are Ally. They also comes in Zeneca. And these ones, uh, what do they do? They reduce the dietary absorption. Basically, it helps to not absorb the fat. So when we eat, instead of taking in and storing all those fat, it helps us to not absorb the fat. What are the side effects of this? The side effect of the Olistat can be abdominal pain, flatulent gas. It, it will be very embarrassing when we go in public and we have to start smelling some flatulence. And soft tools, we have to be careful when we're using this product. Fickle urgency, like when somebody is going, maybe going to work. And uh, so one has to uh, be very, very careful because we don't want to have an, a fecal accident. The other major things that we have to pay attention to when we are using Olista product is that because it's preventing absorption of fat, some of our fat-soluble vitamins and oral, concentrate, or oral contraceptives, <laughs> I can't talk, people. Oral contraceptives can be affected. Basically, what's going on is there are some fat-soluble vitamins. Some of our vitamins can only be absorbed in our body in a fat environment, in a fatty environment, in a lipid environment. So when we are not absorbing enough fat, then these vitamins might not uh, be absorbed in our body. And in that situation, that can result in another problem. So basically, we have to weigh the risk and the benefits of it. The other thing we have to look for is people that are on contraceptives. That, that is our birth control. For the birth control, that will be for the women. We have to be very careful because this product also messes with that. That we want to, that's why we want to talk to our doctors before starting any medication. The other product that is seen is uh, Lucaserin. Lucaserin, we call it selective serotonin receptor agonist. We have the selective serotonin receptor inhibitor that we sometimes use in the management of our depression and other psychiatric situations. But the Lucaserin is a selective serotonin receptor agonist. When we say agonist, agonist is encouraging that receptor to work. When we say antagonist, antagonist is preventing that receptor from working. So this one is activation results in appetite suppression. Basically what's going on is when this SSRA is activated, it causes uh, appetite suppression. So it helps to not eat as much. What are the side effects to this product? The side effect is Part of the side effect is headache, dizziness, dry mouth, fatigue, constipation. These are kind of an what we call anti Some of them are called anticholinergic side effect. And this might be a little challenging when we are dealing with uh, the elderly population. So we want to be careful about that. If this pharmaceutical does not work, other avenues that people have tried are surgery. uh, We have the bariatric surgery. Basically, what this does is that it reduces reduces the size of the intestine. This basically targets reduction of food intake. It helps us to not take much food like we would normally do. And we have what we call geriatric bypass and gastric bending. 
Uh, for people that are looking into surgery, most time they look into the BMI between 35 and 39.9 for those that have comorbidity. So those are obesity and with the history of uh, either high blood pressure or diabetes. For people that have a BMI greater than 40, they also look into surgery. So if we have tried all these stuff and it's not working, how can cannabinoid help in the management of obesity? What are the roles that we see when it comes to talk about cannabinoid? That is what we will be going through next. In our previous episodes, well, we talked about the endocannabinoid system. And you can also learn a little bit more about endocannabinoid system in my new book, A Pharmacist's Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician, available on Amazon and also on WCI-Health. So when we talk about endocannabinoid system, we talk about balance. Basically, what this system does in our body, this is where our phytocannabinoid like CBD, the THC, CBG, this is the receptor in our body where they binds. So when we talk about the endocannabinoid system, it's called, it helps with the homeostasis. What is homeostasis? Homeostasis is balancing of our activities going on in our body. And this system is also responsible for weight. For how we eat, what we eat, how we store this food in our body. So the main receptor in the body that affects weight is what we call CB1 receptor. See, cannabis uh, receptor 1. This is where your THC is binding to. THC, CBD binds to the CB1 receptor 2, but THC uh, predominantly binds to the receptor. And that's where you see People will say, oh, when I take uh, THC, people that smoke or people that use uh, THC in any other form, either in edible form, they say, oh, when I take it, it makes me eat. And we also use this pharmaceutical product like Marinol, Dronabinol. We use uh, Marinol and Dronabinol for HIV AIDS patients in the pharmacy to help them eat due to what we call cachexia, weight loss due to HIV AIDS. That is the same pattern we are using. It's just that dronabinol and marinol, these are synthetic cannabinoid. So people that use this uh, THC cannabis, they said it helps them to eat. So basically, when there is this, what we call dysregulation of the endocannabinoid system, when the uh, endocannabinoid system is not working as it should, instead of balancing uh, what we take in and what we get out, what we store, it just go ahead and, and store most of this fat. And this can result in uh, overweight, which will later result in obesity. Other stressors, there's a lot of stresses that we go through. If the stress that we are going through in our life, especially now, is overwhelming for this system, then the system will not work. So how do we repair endocannabinoid system to help us so that we do not have to have this situation? Because when you, like I said earlier, Fat, when we continue to pack up fat, is going to cause what we call atherosclerosis, which is the blockage of the arteries. It gets accumulated in the liver. It's a lot of damage that the fat does to us. So how do we repair this system? A lot of studies is still being done on how to repair the endocannabinoid system. 
Other than repairing the endocannabinoid system, there has been a CB1 receptor antagonist. And like I said, the agonist is what is the receptor antagonist is what encourages the cannabinoid to bind and encourages us to eat more. So the scientists have developed a product that we call CB1 receptor antagonist. Like CBD, THC, these are CB1 receptor agonists. They, they help the, the system to bind. But when we have a antagonist coming in, it prevents the CB, uh, the THC from binding to CB1 receptor. So that helps uh, people to eat less. But it's been found from clinical studies that when this antagonist comes in and prevents cannabinoid from binding to CB1 receptor, it actually reduces the level of food that was taken by experimental rat. So basically, in the, in the clinical trials, the experimental obese rat that was used in carrying out this experiment, they find out that when the antagonist bind to the CB1 receptor, it prevents the uh, cannabinoid like THC from binding. And when you prevent THC from binding, so people, these uh, obese rats or mice, as the case may be, did not take as much food as they needed and they have less, less fat storage. It's also been shown that some of the experimental animals, when their endocannabinoid system was uh, removed or was stopped, they did not just not taking food. They even when it was restored, they take way less food. But the problem with that is that when the CB1 receptor is stopped, when there is this antagonist blocking the CB1 receptor, it's not just blocking the CB1 receptor, it's also blocking other benefits that we get from activation of the CB1. Like uh, in this experimental rat and even in a product that was start to be stopped earlier in their trials, this was due to the fact that people started experiencing higher depression when they are on this uh, CB1 antagonist. Basically, this product is helping the animal to lose weight, to not take as much in food by blocking the receptor. But at the same time, it's also blocking what causes people to be happy, that part of the brain that causes our happiness. So people started experiencing uh, depression. The animals were, were experiencing depression. So it's, it's like what I call a, a two-edged sword. Yes, you lose weight. Now your joy is gone. Now your joy is gone. That's not what we want. So in this situation, we're probably going to need more studies to be done on those products. And maybe eventually they will be able to perfect the science of this product and make sure they're probably going to have to exclude people that have underlying psychiatric condition from taking this agent if it was ever developed again. How else can we manage uh, obesity with cannabinoid? It's been shown that tetrahydrocannabivirin THCV, that's one of the cannabinoids, minor cannabinoids that we see, is being shown to help in insulin sensitivity. Part of the problem we are seeing in obesity is that 
Some people, their body is not able to detect insulin. So when your body is not able to detect insulin, then the carbohydrate, the, the food, the fat is not able to be broken down and taken out of the body. So basically what goes on is that this food, this fatty food, this uh, sugar, they just store in our body and that's how the uh, overweight and obesity happen. So in experimental rat, it was shown that THCV increased the insulin sensitivity of this obese rat or mice as the case may be. So basically, we probably need to begin to look into agents to develop that we incorporate THCV into anti for in diabetes agent and also in obese product. So basically, we need a lot of studies uh, still needed to be done. It looks like for right now, our main, main focus when it comes to managing weight-related issue, when it comes to metabolic syndrome, is to continue diet and exercise. Basically, 30 minutes a day or anyhow we can do it between 150 to 300 minutes a week, dividing it uh, the best way that it will fit your lifestyle. That's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. I am very grateful for that. For those of you that are yet to subscribe to this show, please go to our website. Uh, the show is available on most of the podcast platform, Apple Podcast, and go to wci-health.com. You will see our buttons where you can subscribe. Also, if you want to donate to support us, we have a Patreon account. So so you can go to our website and register to join us. And for all your cosmetics, hair products for your pet, goes to WCI Heads, Glows Beauty Products is uh, absolutely fantastic. And don't forget to pick my new book, A Pharmacy's Guide to Cannabis, Perspectives of a Non-Conforming Clinician. Thank you, Sai, so much. Until next time, always remember... Health equals wealth, and please vote. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform. Support the show by becoming a patron and donating on our Patreon page or on our website. For more information, visit our website at www.wci-health.com. Until next time, health equals wealth.